For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I hate the show. Every year, I hate the show. But guess what? You all love it, so we do it. Our least favorite pick in every single round of your fantasy football draft. We'll call them the landmines. Hayden, do you share that feeling? Yeah, I'm not scared to compete uh, like you, but the other thing to remember with the show is these are deeply personal. These players hit on my wife, they kicked my dogs, they stole money from me, they put me in the locker. It's deeply personal. It's not about their players or ADPs. And I I don't hate it as we get deeper into drafts, but there's a reason why I probably have drafted each of these guys at some point in the first three rounds that we talk about. But I, I do think it's worthwhile to maybe carve into some of the perfect images we have of these players at this point. And typically we've done the show where Hayden and I put our minds together. Uh, Nope, we're separating them. So Hayden is today and I'll do mine tomorrow. We are kind of left brain, right brain, how we approach fantasy football a little bit. But sometimes those brains connect and we pick Mm -hmm. the same names. Well, we won't tell you which ones those are. Okay, here we go. And by the way, if you're not subscribed to the channel, I checked in the last... 28 days, 68.7% of you who watch are not subscribed. What are you doing? Check out our five players I can't draft series or can't stop drafting series that we just did with Fantasy Flock. Um, We have a whole bunch of preseason reactions and just rankings in general. Go and check those. My first player is B. John Robinson, and I have him ranked 16th overall. Do I think he's going to completely bust? No, but I'm looking at some of the running backs that go right around him. Bijan Robinson could be Nick Chubb. He could be Saquon Barkley. He could be Tony Pollard. He could be Derrick Henry. Or something could just happen. And I don't love this kind of like weapon stuff that Arthur Smith's talking about. He already had this quote. Um, says that they have the idea of how many touches they want to give to each player. But if Tyler Algier gets a hot hand, we're just going to keep going with him. So like, I just don't love that. And you don't typically get that from an eighth overall player in this. I think B. John Robinson's phenomenal. I think Arthur Smith's run game is phenomenal. I'm just a little bit concerned that, like, if you're playing by touches here, that Bijan should could just be in the like the second tier of the RB one. So he, he's going to be an RB one. He's too good. They're going to scheme him up and all that stuff. I just think that like Tyler Algier's done some things. CPAT's done th- some things, and the Falcons have some systemic issues on offense because of their quarterback too so some of the other players like what's the difference between tony pollard and bichon we both love tony pollard that offense is way better we've seen tony pollard do it before like why does tony pollard go 10 picks after him i'm not sure so on some of these i'm going to agree with you some of these i'm going to push back on and be like the devil's advocate for everyone else who yep. i'm sure is drafting a ton of bichon robinson one the running backs for the atlanta falcons last year were the most efficient runners in the nfl period and i don't think that's pointing to the talents of Huntley or Tyler Algier. It's more to the Arthur Smith running schemes and obviously this offensive line. Am I totally with you that I would rather Arthur Smith come out and say, oh yeah, we're just going to give B. John Robinson 320 touches and we're going to see what happens. That'd be great. He would absolutely hit value if that's the case. 
Um, it's fun to see the preseason clips and the train camp clips of, you know, Bijan as a slot wide receiver and out wide wide receiver. That's just the difficult stuff. That's like the, the window dressing. Um, this is your first round landmine, the ninth overall pick right now as the running back three. But I don't think that this is a total failure. Like no. as you and I have talked no. about, I think worst case scenario is Christian McCaffrey's rookie year when he was splitting the backfield with Cam Newton and Jonathan Stewart. And he still finished, you know, with, I think, a thousand total yards. Yeah. And like 80 catches. I can see something like that. The Falcons B reporter on the athletic had him like it would have been like the equivalent of like the 15th most most carries at the running back and the fifth most targets. That's good. That's RB one. Is that first round? I'm not sure. Yeah. And on the show that I did with Ron Stewart, you know, you go back and you look at the running backs who were drafted inside the top 10. And if they got 300 touches and 10 touchdowns, it's because they weren't splitting the backfield with anyone. And Chris McCaffrey was the most recent one who did. He ended up with 197 touches. 80 of those were receptions, seven touchdowns overall. And I think he was drafted that year as a 30th overall player, which is very different than the ninth overall player. Okay, who is it for round two? Another player I love and I know is good at the game. It's Chris Olave with the Saints. 2.4 yards per route run is like very rare for a rookie. Like you sort by yards per route run, you're looking at some absolute studs. I think he's going to be like Calvin Ridley. He came into the NFL pretty polished, showed me everything that you would want from him. But still, even with all of that deficiency last year, he had two games as a top 12 fantasy wide receiver. He finished the year as the wide receiver 34. I'm expecting him to do much better than that. It's a second year leap, but he can go from the wide receiver 34 to the wide receiver 15 and still not pay off a second round uh, uh, ADP. So when I'm just looking at the Saints issues, to me, I think there's some uh, possible issues with the offensive line, but really it's a coaching staff that just plays too slow. They always punt the ball in fourth downs. All of the things that we don't like to see, they used Chris Olave in a little bit of a rotation. I think there's more depth on the offense this year. And because of all that, there were only 26 in pass attempts last year. Chris Olave only had 3.7 expected touchdowns to me. It's just hard for him to pay off this because mm. of the team environments. And I'm looking at some of the running backs that go right next to him, like Tony Pollard, for example, I can see Tony Pollard being a top five fantasy asset this year. I don't see that necessarily with Chris Olave, who as a prospect was very good, but we also thought that maybe he's a guy that's really efficient on seven, eight targets. And maybe we didn't see the time, the same type of profile of somebody that's like Cooper cup, where you're seeing 10, 12 targets all the time. That's just the way Chris Olave wins. So great player. I'm hoping in your not in best ball drafts in your normie drafts, you can get this player at the round three, four turn. Yeah. Sign me up there. I'm just a little bit inflated by this ADP. He is a player after the hearts of underdog best ball drafters, because he's entering his second season already broke out during his rookie year. And I think in some ways that might be double counting it a little bit where to then thrust him into this round to playing around just wide receivers like Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith ahead of T Higgins, so on and so forth with you on the running backs right now, Tony Pollard and Saquon are, are being drafted ahead of him. Um, it was amazing, though, to look at the profile that he put together during his rookie season, where it was a bunch of downfield routes, yet he was the primary read on a bunch of them, and mm -hmm. he was heavily targeted on a lot of those. Now, I don't think from like a scheme standpoint, it's going to be the exact same thing with Derek Carr. Hopefully, there are just some more layups worked in as well, but I'm with you on the 
overarching concerns about just this shy and conservative coaching staff that hasn't changed. There are points of last year where I thought Dennis Allen like shouldn't have a job heading Correct. into the season. Yeah, and there's also um, they have an adjusted yards per route run, and this isn't like taking a shot at Chris Olave, but when you put in the context of the personnel groupings and the talent around him, his yards per route run drops significantly. He goes like from like the third best in the league to like the fifteenth best, and I think like he's probably the fifteenth best wide receiver in the league somewhere there, yep. which is an insane accomplishment, but doesn't make you a second round pick. And this doesn't go back to us about his college draft profile because you and I actually were huge fans of Chris Olave heading into his NFL career. I know that that was a sticking point from a lot of people. So it's not one of those sore spots. And by the way, we love Chris Olave as He's a player. Good. We just have to nominate someone in round two. And yep. for you, it was Chris Olave. Okay. Who's it for round three? Uh, Jonathan Taylor. And he sometimes goes in the second round. I thought his ADP was going to fall further than it did. Once this contract dispute comes up, I think the ankle lingering around is not giving me a whole lot of confidence. Uh, Adam Schefter said that they still haven't had much like talks in the last couple of days about this. He already left the team again. I don't trust him playing through injuries on this team. And I think that like, that could be something with Jonathan Taylor. But even if he is out there, he still was the running back 16 last year. He was the 32nd overall player. This offensive line really regressed. This is a, quarterback that if you look at like the Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts those hey, teams don't lump this into Anthony Richardson negative talk too well Anthony Richardson's not going to throw the ball to Jonathan Taylor because why would you you're Anthony That's Richardson true. you're fast basically as That's fast true. and bigger than him so just like the Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts offenses don't use their running backs in this capacity so you need Jonathan Taylor to have a lot of long touchdown runs can he do that certainly possible but I thought that he was going to drop to like the 30s yeah. He's stuck around like 23rd, 24th overall, and I just don't think that the downside risk and the and the team environments are necessarily caught up to that. He's still going as the 11th pick of the second round. Underdog ADP, by the way, updates every 48 hours. Uh, as you have always talked about, it is more difficult for a player to lower their ADP, drop further in drafts, than it is for someone to climb because mm. – sickos like you have taught people that oh if someone's falling down the board just scoop them up that's that sweet sweet adp value <laughs> but maybe hey sometimes they should be going yeah. that late in drafts so I, I think that's the reason why he is still stuck in the later part of round two mm -hmm. i don't want to say anything else because he might be coming up uh in tomorrow's episode hey for my list of landmines as well round four who is it this guy goes in round three, too. So I'm kind of double dipping up top after you called me out for kind of tinkering with my list uh, for the players I like. So I'm going extra hard here. Jameer Gibbs. So I love Jameer Gibbs, too. I think he's going to be a fantastic player for the Detroit Lions. I've also listened to Dan Campbell talk about Jameer Gibbs. And every single time he talks about Jameer Gibbs, you know what else he talks about? David Montgomery and how David Montgomery can handle 20 to 25 carries. I'm not the one doing this. On underdog, his higher, lower rushing uh, projection is at 580 yards back at Alabama. He only averaged 12.6 carries per game. He's only had 192 touches in a season throughout his career, and I think it's going to be hard for him to mix in at the goal line. Uh, even at Alabama, he only had four carries inside the five-yard line. He only had 10 carries with two or fewer yards to go. He's an undersized player, and if you just look at the history of just who is like top 15, top 20 backs – they're heavier guys. Like last year, for example, the top 20 fantasy running backs, they were 
219 pounds on average. Only Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey were under 208 pounds. I can tell you right now, looking at Austin Eckler, he's not 208 pounds. He's way more than that. Christian McCaffrey is way more than that now. It took some time for some of these smaller backs to actually break out. And as much as I love the Lions offense, I just don't see him scoring enough touchdowns to be worth it, at least in half PPR. In the fourth round in your PPR leagues and stuff, you can sell me on this. Right. I just think that his ceiling's a little bit capped uh, for a third-round pick. I mentioned Chris McCaffrey's rookie year with Bijan Robinson. I can totally see Jameer Gibbs having yep. the Chris McCaffrey rookie season. Again, that was 197 touches, 80 of which were receptions. It has been fascinating to see this running back movement in this right. area this week with Ezekiel Elliott signing with the New England Patriots. I am floored that now Jameer Gibbs is being drafted ahead of Ramondre yeah. Stevenson when Ramondre might lose goal some goal line work to Ezekiel Elliott when we know that Jameer Gibbs certainly will lose yeah. goal line work to David Montgomery, who was paid way more than Ezekiel Elliott much earlier in the offseason. And as you said, this wasn't just a Jameer Gibbs profile thing of how he projects the NFL. This was a Nick Saban thing at Alabama mm -hmm. who also didn't use him in short yardage situations. And when people comp him to Christian McCaffrey, I'm like, yeah, that could happen. Christian McCaffrey also was a Heisman finalist and touched the ball about a million times at Stanford. Jameer Gibbs has never done that. So maybe he can be Christian McCaffrey, but we've also talked a lot about a lot of smaller backs that thought they were Christian McCaffrey and turns out they just weren't. And I love Jameer Gibbs as a player. I cannot wait to see how Ben Johnson in this offense utilizes him. But there's been so much late steam, and I understand it. He's a rookie. He's a first-round pick, top 50, top 20 overall selection. So people get really excited. But, man, we are losing sight of what this team's intention, what they've told us is going to be with David Montgomery versus Jameer Gibbs. And if you want more on David Montgomery, I think you can go watch Hayden's Any list show. of every player. <laughs> Players who can't stop drafting um, his favorite player in each round, I should say, because I think mm -hmm. he he made that list. OK, so that was round four, even though he's going in round three. What round is your next guy going? <laughs> this guy's also in round four. Najee right. Harris. Wonderful. Right. I'm just I'm throwing everything out the window here. I make the rules. I just don't like the vibes here. Is that like a simple thing to say? Like Jalen Warren was playing more last year than expected. This preseason week one, he was playing more than expected. Najee Harris, I think, has some actual issues as a running back. Year three is kind of the give up year when you're talking about first round picks. I think that the Steelers will do better this year. I think there's a chance that Najee Harris scores a lot more touchdowns. But I think that rookie season where Najee was catching all those passes, I don't think that's going to return because Jalen Warren is just a significantly better player on passing situations. So I just don't like the vibes here. I'd rather wait much later and grab Damian Pierce, the Miles Sanders, all these type of guys that have some issues on their profile. I don't like taking the fourth round running backs that have these issues. I'd rather take some of these players in the sixth round. So players like Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams, Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel. This is the range where I like to draft my second wide receiver a lot of the time. So I just don't like the vibes around Najee Harris uh, going into year three. And if Lamar Jackson ever falls this round as well, yeah. in round four, definitely scoop him up. Uh, he he is that like bridge back between that Jacobs Gibbs Ramondre and then Brees Hall Travis Etienne Joe Mixon. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people, I think even our friend maybe John Daigle, don't know put words in his mouth, have said that like oh all of the negativity of Najee not creating explosive plays 
is almost baked into now this fourth round ADP versus a first round ADP. Do you buy that? I, I do. I think he was like the 53rd overall player last year. So he's like priced up just a little bit above that. I do think there's actual risk that Jalen Warren makes this a 60 40 backfield. And that's a disaster. You can't have that on a mediocre offense. I think we might be getting the latest Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler dynamic here. A little vibe like that. We'll, we'll touch on that more uh, on tomorrow's episode when I get oh, to yeah. this as well. Okay. Your next name is Aaron Jones and that's in round five round five again so last year he was a running back 13 and a half PPR he's coming off a career high 59 receptions I don't like that those two metrics right next to each other career high in receptions and you still were only the running back 13 AJ Dillon out touched him inside the five yard line 10 to 2 last year and we're talking about a player exiting his career uh his prime of his career he's gonna be 29 years old and I just don't trust this offense right now. They have a, a, a younger backup. AJ Dillon's much younger than Aaron Jones. It's also a younger offense. I think this team's actually building for the future this year. They're not trying to compete. And I think you can start seeing an older player like Aaron Jones just get phased out a little bit. And I'm just talking about 10, 20% phased out. That can be an issue. I don't see a lot of ceiling with Aaron Jones anymore when it comes down to touchdowns. And I also am not sure that Jordan Love is going to be throwing the ball to Aaron Jones as much. We know Aaron Rodgers loved Aaron oh, yeah. Jones. I'm not sure we're going to get that same thing with Jordan Love, at least. That's my number one point here, because over the last three seasons, when we were at times drafting Aaron Jones on like the one-two turn, he finishes the running back 12, running back 13, and running back five in points per game. That was on anywhere from 57% to 59% of snaps. Mm -hmm. That's difficult to do. If your quarterback isn't like fully invested in you to catch passes. And yeah. as we've talked about on especially our preseason week one reaction show, I think this Packers offense is going to look different with Jordan Love than what it did with Aaron Rodgers, especially last year, especially last year. I think there's going to be much more misdirection. There's going to be more motion. And I think things are going to be layered rather than, hey, taking the ball out. Mm -hmm. Boom. I know where the defense is. Here's my downfield routes. And if that's not there, and there's Aaron Jones. Yeah. You know, and I would not be surprised if Aaron Rodgers leaving also means a little bit more AJ Dillon in this mm -hmm. offense, too, who's also in a contract year, I believe. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of things working against him right now. A lot of things. Okay. Round five complete. <laughs> I think that also counts for round six. Who's our next name? Mike Evans, I don't know what round he is. He's I'll in. Find it for I just you. know I don't draft him very often. 30-year-old, year 10. Year 10 is like for wide receivers when we start seeing declines. And on our show, we've talked about, look at the last year. Did you notice a decline? And then that's the time to actually be out on some of these like superstar veterans. Last year, Mike Evans, lowest PFF grade of his career, a way lower than normal, normal 1.7 yards per route run. And the big thing structurally for Mike Evans is the last two years, the Buccaneers were first in pass attempts by a wide, wide, wide yes. margin. So it's not just the pass attempts. It's also the, the value of those pass attempts going from a guy named Tom Brady to a guy named Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. I just think that there's a chance that he just doesn't have the explosiveness and he's been dealing with some like nagging injuries throughout the year. And I think that, once you're into year 10, those things could be a little bit worse. And I had some upside that like he might get traded, but I did see that he was like negotiating with the Bucks for like a long-term extension. I don't want that. I want Mike Evans to be in the trade market. Um, mm -hmm. If he does sign with the Bucks long-term, I wouldn't like that either. He is going in the sixth round 
as the fourth pick of the sixth round wide receiver 34, which some might say that is a value or a discount for a guy who's reached a thousand receiving yards uh, in every season of his career. I've talked about this a lot this summer. I think it is impossible for us small brained people to totally wrap our minds around going from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield. And people can say, well, the offense last season wasn't very good with Tom Brady. He didn't play well. Okay. He kept everything afloat. And if you look over the past two seasons, the Buccaneers have led the NFL in passing attempts. Only five teams have ever thrown the ball 700 or more times in a season. Two of them are the Buccaneers from the previous two seasons. Yeah. Like it's just going to look totally different from a distribution standpoint. Mm -hmm. I hate to say it. People love Rashad White. You might even like Chris Godwin. I'm out on this entire Buccaneers passing attack. And if they do hit, if they're league average, I will look like a fool. But man, I've watched Baker Mayfield play football and I can't get there. Yeah, even Mike Evans was like asking for them just to make a quarterback one announcement so he can like start getting on the right track of things. I can see some of these veterans playing on bad teams for the first time in a long time being frustrated by the situation. Yeah, it's... um. Look how good I, he is on some of these highlights, though, man. Like he's such and apparently a he's torching player. camp too, and 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 right. looking great. I'm just, um, it's a team structure standpoint, mm -hmm. and the defense is actually good. You mm -hmm. know, the defense is actually good. So I, I don't know if we're taking into account again even a drop from what he finishes the wide receiver 14 last year, and now we can get him as the wide receiver 34. Even to me, that's not enough. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to suffer all season. I feel like I'm going to yeah. suffer watching the yeah. Buccaneers every single week. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. And you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals slash underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right. Three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Next name. Quentin Johnson is like basically the exact opposite profile of Mike Evans, except they kind of play similarly. With Quinton Johnson, there's certainly plenty of upside. So for these best ball sickos trying to come in first place, like I understand the appeal, but I think that his ADP has been priced up to where it's unfair to what his actual projection is. I think just Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Austin Eckler are going to soak up a bunch of the target share. And I actually have seen some reports that even Palmer is still going to be mixing in. And if you're getting a part-time player this high in the draft, it's just not for me. And the big thing with camp, reports which have been pretty iffy on him in this preseason game it's the same issues that you and i have discussed about his tape and we had the same discussion last year Traylon burks who's going in the same range mm. that i'm just a little bit concerned that it's a player that's just going to take some development and that's not a shock he was a uh, playing in the big 12 he was an early declare 
uh, very productive, but also productive in ways that you didn't, you and I didn't think were as sustainable. So I think he's going to be a little bit of a rotation player, a deep threat. I think in redraft leagues, he's going to be very frustrating. And I think that big Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are healthy right now. They look good in camp. I just think it's just going to be Justin Herbert throwing bombs to those guys. I think that Quentin Johnson's going to take some time for development and miss me with all the screens and stuff that he got at TCU. Why would you throw screens to Quentin Johnson when you have all these other weapons? I think the people at home might say, well, you're saying it could be Traylon Burks. Why can't it be Christian Watson? And my answer to that is Christian Watson wasn't playing with Mike Williams and Keenan right. Allen. Like th- right. there, there's a pretty significant difference. And how Christian Watson scored his points last year was just on ridiculous mm-hmm. upside plays. Ridiculous upside plays. I will add, though, I'm totally with you on the negatives that Christian Watson has to his game right now. But I don't know if they matter that much. I think they matter in order like for him to be a full-time player from week one to, you know, through mm-hmm. week 18. But I can take a drop here or there if he's going to have a number of outstanding plays this season. And I think he'll get those. So I'm a little bit more concerned, let's say, on like the individual talent level of like pointing those out. But from like a fantasy lens, especially in best ball. I think we could see some huge, massive spike weeks, especially compounding that with the draw them up style that Kellen Moore has for these explosive plays down the field. I think it's totally fair. I think you can say you can find you can find some spike weeks from all of these round eight, eight players. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so Quentin Johnson was round seven. We now get into, I believe, round eight. It's your first tight end. I refuse to let you do tight ends for every single round here. You really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Who is it? Evan Ingram last year ran very hot. He was still the tight end 13 in usage per game. He had a complete outlier 6.8 yards after the catch. Now I will say, give some credit where it's due. Evan Ingram had a very good season and Peterson drew up fantastic plays. So it was not a surprise to us that he had uh, more yards after the catch than expected, but I still think that could regress down as can his just targets in general. I think I view Calvin Ridley as a true alpha wide receiver in this league. Somebody that can have 25 percent or more of the targets and i think that evan ingram could be one of these guys that was benefiting from some design plays that the jaguars just don't necessarily have to have now that they have a legit dude that can win one-on-one in man coverage on top of that uh evan ingram is going to be dealing with a second round blocking tight end it's probably not going to matter too much but we have seen some of the formations change a little bit here and i don't necessarily love that um but the biggest thing here is I like some of the upside at the running backs and wide receivers that are being drafted around Evan Ingram. Like you can get Anthony Richardson on top of that as well. And I love some of these guys at tight end that go way later. Like the, I would yes. just draft the Ferg, Ferg daddies. Give me the Musgraves. Give me the Tyler Higby. Give me all those type of guys where the opportunity cost is guys that might get cut in the NFL. I think there's actual opportunity cost with Evan Ingram. I'm just going to draft Calvin Ridley and then I'm going to get out of there when it comes to Jacksonville. The 11th pick of the eighth round. We called the Evan Ingram resurgence last year. He was my poster boy for players switching teams who have obvious talent. We all kind of forget, and for good reason, how he almost opened the season where it was like 2.8 points, 4.6, and that lasted like all the way until week eight. But then the real breakout didn't happen until week 12 yeah week 12 then it was 9 28 6 11 and it's because of all those plays that we just showed you with the highlights where it would be heavy play action he kind of just leaks out underneath right Mm -hmm. and get the ball in his hands on the move 
Doug Peterson is not going to carbon copy his offense from year to year. And I think last year where everything for the Jaguars, we've spoken about this a lot, was 17 yards and closer to the line of scrimmage. I think they're going to attack more grass. Um, I think Evan Ingram can do some of that too, but we're just not going to get as many gimmies as we got last season. I think that could hurt him. Yep. Totally agree there. Okay. Your next name is... Jameson Williams. So I think his ADP is going to come crashing down from this, but I think that some people are still holding out hope that like later, later in the year, he's just going to be out there and dominating. Well, it's just been a really tough stretch for Jameson Williams, who I liked as a prospect, the ACL injury. He played terribly in his return. He didn't look right. You and I talked about this. He just didn't look like he had much confidence. His, his route running was a concern. I think he only had like one catch or something like that. Then he has suspension. Uh, which is not a good thing. Players getting suspended is a, is a bad thing. Uh, he has an iffy training camp by all reports, and the preseason game was a, a weak spot for Jamison Williams. Now he has the hamstring injury, so he's not going to get the reps he was talking about. But reading between the lines, you don't see coaches, especially a guy like Dan Campbell, who's like very positive in nature, kind of be critical of a player that's taking like the top 15 overall in your draft. He's talked about these hands. He's been talking about like there's this quote about like how he wanted uh, Jameson Williams to be out there because he needs help lining up. I don't like that moving versus press coverage and through zone. Like those are that's that's football right there. Like that's playing wide receiver. The fact that Dan Campbell's saying that and that he's going to miss these reps, he's going to be away from the team. I don't think it's going to be as easy as like here comes in week seven, Jamison Williams to be a guy. I think he's going to be a low volume spike week player potentially, but I think a lot of these players around him could be that type of profile, but the entire season. And I don't have some of these downfield risks. I know this is a small thing, but let's say he was still suspended until mid October, but was able to get, you know, two preseason games in and practice up until the season starts. That would help. And I would understand if his ADP locked here, but he's, Still, at the moment of recording, a mid-ninth round pick as wide receiver 50. He's on my list for tomorrow, too, and it's all the same reasons that you talked about. I mean, he missed 11 games last year, nine total targets, one catch. And now he can't practice basically again until October 15th. Um, Look, when he comes back, I would not be shocked, would not be shocked if he does catch a few deep balls that, Mm -hmm. you know, Ben Johnson creates because he's so good at it. And you all can put in the comment section, whoever, like, oh, look at that. But that's halfway through the season, you know, especially for your managed leagues. I don't know how you could ever draft Jamison Williams right now. Like that, that is to me, someone we have not seen anything on the NFL level, on the NFL level, point blank period to warrant optimism so far. And even when he is right, I think as a prospect, we were hoping that he would be on like the Sean Jackson plane where you're yeah. like getting five targets and making the most of them. I would be shocked if he's like, all right, eight targets, 10 targets, especially when you have guys like everyone loves Jameer Gibbs so much. Everyone loves Amon Ron and Sam Laporta. And like I'm big Josh Reynolds guy, by the way, 70 yard touchdown in practice. Where are the targets coming from again? I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a very valid point. As our buddy Roto Pat put out there on Twitter, he's checking a lot of the bust boxes. I'm not going to write him off. Again, he has areas where he wins, but definitely it has not been a smooth ride so far. Okay, so that is round nine. His with round 10. Devon A-Chain. So right now, this might be people going to yell at me about looking at the preseason usage a little bit too much. It was only the first week, and maybe we get some more data going forward, but he was a running back five. He was also playing punt gunner. So the, that combination, not great. Like you don't like 
your 10th, 11th round pick playing punt gunner. Um, so he has, he has a, some ways to work his way up. I, I do think there's a chance he's like a healthy and active uh, early on in the season that he can make his way up there, but they paid Jeff Wilson and Raheem Moser. Like they actually want to use them. Jeff Wilson's 28 years old. I don't think he's completely washed Raheem Moser. They do trust um, in passing situations. And as like a big play threat, whenever Raheem Moser talks about a chain, he always talks about like, as if he's like his mentee and that like he's they're prepping him to have like five to 10 touches. So I like the theory that this guy would be a, a league winner down the stretch, but he's also what 189 pounds or whatever it is. You don't really see that type of profile. I have the same concern with Jameer Gibbs. I have him way more with a third round pick that's currently buried on the depth chart. I even think like the, the miles Gaskin uh, type of guy, Salvin Ackman, these guys have been on this team for quite a while. It's not like the, it's a layup line for passing these guys. I know they're not super talented, but I think that, the the scheme fit and how much like these players have been in this coaching tree does matter. So I think there's a chance that eighteen is like a healthy scratch in the week one and that people are going to drop him in your redraft leagues. Mm. Maybe later on, we're talking about this, how you should be uh, picking him up off the waiver wire. But for right now, I'm not drafting him. I'll stand up for the a chain hive out there. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I, I know it's a long list of people. Um, one, there is that narrative that, hey, he was on the Texas A&M track team, and so he can already gain some weight. And two, even at that weight, he did a decent job of you know mm -hmm. forcing missed tackles uh, in a somewhat pro-style offense. Two, I think he is going to be active on game days because he was the number one kick returner we saw with the first team out there, and then also the special teams that you're talking about, which helps because, like, let's say in you know bad-case scenario – uh, Raheem Mostert goes down or Jeff Wilson goes down, then boom, you're automatically in there yep. for, for carries. And if you do well on those carries, then it's successful. Mm -hmm. um, and you can rise up the depth chart quickly, as we have seen. But if you ask me, hey, is Devon A-Chain, who is going as the running back 38, as about the eighth pick of the 10th round, uh, is he going to help me in most likely in week four or week 14, I'm leaning towards week 14. And those late season progressions, I think always entail injuries and that has to change. And um, it's just a, you have to like paint your own and write your own story a little yeah. bit. And I think it can happen for him, but mm -hmm. we absolutely by the end of the preseason need to see him being the, you know, third running back in the depth chart. We have to. Definitely agree. And even this is just looking at from week nine on last year, once Jeff Wilson was part of the team, Jeff Wilson was a running back 33. Raheem Mostert was a running back 35 when they were splitting work entirely. There wasn't a third back involved. Like Salvin Ahmed only had a couple carries per game. So like things have to fall in line for A-Chain and like anything's possible. Yeah. And if one thing happens to this offensive line, it can crumble because it really is like paper thin at this moment. I think if they put out their five starters, they can be serviceable. They can be solid. But if one thing happens, which nearly for every single team, yeah, one thing does happen. Uh, I think that is partially what impacted those numbers that you're talking about yeah, as well. Okay, that was round 10. Hit me with round 11. So Darnell Mooney, um, he goes in this range. I think it's for stacking purposes. If you have Justin Fields, people are trying to find a way to stack him, If they, especially because DJ Morgan is pretty close to Fields. So I think that's like elevating Darnell Mooney. I don't think that necessarily matters in redraft leagues. I don't necessarily think that matters for Justin Fields. If Justin Fields is going to pay off that ADP, it's because he's going to be a baller on the ground again. Darnell Mooney was a wide receiver 76. He goes as the wide receiver 57. They added DJ Moore. Like, what, what exactly am I missing here? Like, is Darnell Mooney, like, he's one of these guys where, like, we pretend that he's, like, a top 30 NFL wide receiver. Like, he's really know. not. He's, like, 
I like a, him, but he, he's a, a role player, a, a starting role player, undersized guy. Like I, I, I have zero fear for him being on this list. Wide receiver 59. He's going as the third pick of the 11th round ahead of like Jacoby Myers and Zay Jones and a few other wide receivers that we've talked about this year and like Van Jefferson. Um, yeah, I mean, I understand it for the people that want to make a case for DJ Moore to elevate Justin Fields and hopefully some of those negative plays that Justin Fields had last year kind of, you know, are lost because now he has a legit wide receiver. Um, but I don't know if that also means that, oh, we should be then elevating, you know, Darnell Mooney and we're not, but with Cole Komet and so on and so forth. I don't think it hits that much trickle down beyond one player. They also traded the 32nd overall pick for Chase Claypool. I think they have a role for him. 32nd overall pick. I don't know if they do. <laughs> I, I'm willing to, to suggest that a first-round evaluation is going to be playing. All right, we we are going to end this with 12 rounds and not go through 18 rounds. So who is your 12th-round landmine? Greg Dulcich. So last year, he only blocked on 4% of his passing snaps, which is like cool for the people that sort by yards per route run and log out. But it's less cool if you're looking at you know a, a coach like Sean Payton who loves to run the ball and has done that and preached it the entire uh, off season. They, the one of the first moves they made was trading for Adam Troutman. Then they signed Chris Mannerts, who's a blocking tight end. Greg Dulcich didn't have much of a role in preseason week one. And Greg Dulcich, they keep calling him a weapon. It's kind of going back to that Bijan conversation. Like a weapon sounds nice until he's not on the field all the time because he's viewed as a specialty player, not a full-time player. I want full-time players on my fantasy team. So give me Luke Musgrave straight up over Greg Dulcich. All, all these weapon guys, I'm completely out on. Greg Dulcich, maybe the best UCLA Bruin aside from Charbonnet in a very long time, and it's still not going to matter. <laughs> my mind just goes to Deshaun Foster. I think is now the running backs coach at UCLA, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Maurice Jones-Drew. I mean, I can keep going down and down the list here. Hayden. MJD um, was their last good skill player. Look, like, if people have made it 36 minutes in this video, I will say I have the same exact name for the same exact round tomorrow. And it's because all of you fall in love with these types of tight ends. Um, if Traylon Burks was healthy and people were still drafting Chico Quanquo, it's a similar type. A guy who is the receiving tight end, but is only out there basically in, in two tight end sets. At least that's how we're projecting. And you can go back to like the Ladarius Green days of this is like a similar small pass catching running back, but also for the tight end version because he makes mm -hmm. splash plays. And it's just not as valuable for a position that is so reliant on volume and touchdowns or volume of opportunity to score touchdowns. And if you're out there for a shortened amount of snaps, it's just much more difficult to do. And the other thing I wanted to mention, we didn't really talk about it on the preseason week one recap. The Broncos offense looked like a mess, a full-blown mess. We can save it for tomorrow because I, I have some thoughts. I'm a full-blown mess, and we've heard all offseason that this is going to be a run-focused offense too. Yeah, I'm nervous for all of them, really. Oh, I'm, I'm so nervous for Russ. I understand, yeah. like, oh, some practices are good after he had seven straight bad ones, but I am, like, all out on Russ. He was getting his all ass out. kicked. And I'm all out game. on Russ. Yeah, it's tough. Can't do it. All right, that's it. Hayden's landmine in every single round up to 12 for your fantasy football draft. I'll do mine tomorrow, but more importantly, if you want the player he's targeting in every round of fantasy football, we have that video. I'll link in the description down below and it'll be the one on the suggested page at the end of this video. Check out the rest of the channel. Go play on underdog. I'm sure producer weaves the man has thrown up some 
uh, underdog fantasy season long pickums as we've gone along through this. So go and check those out. If you want your first $100 matched, click the link in the description down below. I'm matching your first deposit up to $100. All right. Up the villa. We'll talk to y'all soon.